Good morning. How's everybody today? Hey, it is Christmas time. Anybody, how many, how many are happy about Christmas? I just, I need to do a poll this morning. How many are unhappy about Christmas? One, two, there's always a Scrooge in the house. You know, it's okay. It's all right. Hey, you know what? I, I, I love Christmas time. And today I want to talk about Christmas is a big deal. Turn to somebody and say, Christmas is a big deal. No, 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 no. Christmas is a big deal. Now, come on, try it one more time. Get your finger out. Come on, get that finger out. Point at somebody. Christmas is a big deal. There we go. That's a little bit better. You know, for the last several days, everywhere I go in town, you know, my house, uh, my neighborhood, everywhere you go, you're seeing signs of Christmas. Of course, you know, Costco's had Christmas out for three months already, and some of you have partaken already. But, you know, you, you're starting to see the signs of Christmas everywhere, and I love this time of year. And today I want to talk to you about the fact that Christmas really is a big deal. So I thought this morning, <clears throat> if I want to get everybody in the boat with me, maybe I need to start and kind of, you know, get things warm, but maybe tell some good Christmas jokes. See, some of you, come on, get, get laughing with me already, get in the mood, okay? So I went online this week, and I thought, well, you know, if you want good Christmas jokes, you've got to go on the Internet. There are some horrible Christmas jokes on the Internet. I mean, I sifted through hundreds, and I could only find three or four that were even worth sharing today, and they're borderline at best. But, you know, anyway, I mean, th these jokes, as bad as they are, they're funnier than Joel Osteen's jokes, and everybody laughs at him, so you all help me out today, all right? So first of all, what do you call people who are afraid of Santa Claus? Claustrophobic. <laughs> That's not too bad, is it? That's not bad. How about this one? Why was Santa's little helper so depressed? He had low elf esteem. <laughs> okay, so-so. And then here's one that's more my speed of a joke, a little, a little darker maybe. Uh, how many reindeer does it take to change a light bulb? It takes eight. One to screw in the light bulb and seven to hold Rudolph down. <laughs> now we're getting, getting warmed up here, all right? Now for, for all the men in the house, th this is a good one. There are four stages of Christmas life. Stage one, you believe in Santa Claus. Stage two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Stage three, you dress up as Santa Claus. And then stage four, you actually begin to look like Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, for some of you, that's true. Leave me out of that boat. Uh, and then, you know, this week I, I was thinking about Santa Claus. Santa Claus is one of the most beloved people in all of America, and he doesn't even exist. Think about that. I mean, if you start looking at polls, starting with Congress and going to the president and so forth, you know, if you take public opinion polls, it's hard to find anybody in America who's loved until you get to people like Santa Claus and Mickey Mouse and the Easter Bunny and stuff like that, make-believe characters. But I wonder, why is Santa Claus so beloved? And I got to thinking about it, and I, I think I figured it out. Santa has this relationship thing figured out. So let me tell you about it. He visits people once a year. 
He shows up in the middle of the night while everybody's sleeping. And he doesn't bother them. He just leaves gifts and goes back home. Man, what a way to do relationships, huh? What a way to make friends. So he, he's a beloved character. But having said all of that, all of my life growing up, Christmas has always been a big deal. As a kid, Christmas was a big deal at my house. And I think one of the reasons I loved Christmas so much as a kid was because it was one of two times a year when I got gifts. You know, at birthday, my parents always got me a nice gift. Uh, a couple of times in my life, my parents had birthday parties for me and I got a few extra gifts. Christmas time was always special because my parents bought me some nice things, grandparents bought you gifts, sometimes cousins and other friends brought gifts and you had Christmas parties and got gifts. Christmas is a time of year when you receive. It was always cool. It was exciting as a kid. But as time went by, Christmas began to change. And as I became a pastor in my, in my teenage, actually early 20 years, and really got into pastoring and preaching to people, I've learned that Christmas really is a special time of year. So many things happen at Christmas time that don't happen any other time of year. And as a church... I want us to focus on some things today. But why is Christmas such a big deal? I went to the mall yesterday morning just after the mall opened. I went first thing in the morning before the rush got there. And I went to look for a couple things, but really I went to the mall as much as anything to just check out the atmosphere because there's so much Christmas stuff at the mall. And I was listening and I was watching and they start playing Christmas carols. And one of the reasons I love Christmas so much is because you can go to department stores, you can go to the mall, you can go around town in just stores. Almost everywhere you go, you hear Christmas carols. And, you know, our society today, you know, they don't, they don't make a lot of room for Jesus. They don't make a lot of room for religion as a rule. But I noticed yesterday you begin to hear some songs about Christmas. I mean, I had to listen to them sing about all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. We got beyond that one. And Santa Baby, we got beyond that one. And then you get just some instrumentals where they don't have any words. And me knowing the words, I realize they're singing about the Savior. They're singing about Jesus. They're singing about the Lord. And the music's going on and there's no words. But I watch people walking through the stores and they're lipping the words about Jesus. And this is the time of year when the name of Jesus is in the air everywhere you go. But I want you to think about it this morning. Christmas is a big deal because Christmas is the beginning of God's work to bring his life into our world. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. What it literally says is we can experience God's life, the God kind of life because of Jesus. And Christmas is the event that opens the door for God's life to come into our individual lives. I mean, consider the most important miracle of Christmas, if you would, for just a moment. To think that God took up temporary residence in the womb of a woman so that he could become Emmanuel, God with us. See, the angel introduced him and said, his name will be God with us. And so God had to work a miracle to 
come into our world to be Emmanuel, not just in the universe, but Emmanuel in our lives. Christmas is the miracle that becomes the source of the never-ending miracles that God performs to bring complete redemption and restoration into our lives. It all starts with Christmas, Jesus coming into our world. That's where it all starts. Christmas is so important. This morning, to maybe better illustrate this, let me ask you a question. What would your life look like if you took Jesus out of it? What would, what would my life look like without Jesus? I'm not talking about from here forward. I'm talking about your entire life, past, present, and future. What would life look like had Jesus never come into this world? Your answer to that will tell you Christmas is a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's not just about one miracle of incarnation. It's not what it's about. It begins there, but it's about a miracle that continues to create new miracles in our lives over and over and over again. It's the miracle that opens the door for God's grace and his divine intervention every day of our lives. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is a big deal. Today, I want to briefly, just for the next few minutes, I want to share three thoughts with you about part of the Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter 1, if you have a Bible and you want to turn there. But in Luke chapter 1, one of the things we find there is the story of the angel Gabriel that came and appeared to Mary. And we're going to look at part of the conversation that takes place between Gabriel and Mary. And like I said, I want to show you just three things in this conversation. Look at Luke chapter 1. We'll begin at verse number 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. Here we go. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And this virgin's name was Mary. And now look at verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, and notice these words, Rejoice, highly favored one. Now keep the verse up there for a moment, and I want you to look at this verse with me. This angel appears, and, and by the way, if an angel shows up in your room, it's, it's a moment you will never forget. But this angel shows up, and the first thing the angel says to this young teenage girl is, Rejoice. Get excited. Give God praise. Be happy today. Why? Because you are a highly favored one. Now, in the original writings, the words highly favored come from one word. And what it literally says in the original writings is rejoice because God has put his grace, his giftings upon your life. Now, think about that. Here's this teenage girl all by herself this angel shows up and says, you need to be happy and get excited because God has chosen to pour his grace into your life. And then he says this, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now notice first it's rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice you who God has poured his grace out upon. 
But then he goes one step further. He says, you are now blessed among women. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice about Christmas is Christmas is about blessing. Christmas is about blessing. You know, I, I told you when I was a kid, I love Christmas time because for me, Christmas was about blessing. I was going to receive blessings. I was going to receive gifts. I was going to be blessed. And I was excited about Christmas. How many of you as a kid ever went in and went through mom and dad's closets looking in the boxes trying to find out what you were getting for Christmas? I did that one year. One year only. They found out about it. One year was enough. But you know, when you're a kid, you're so excited. You I mean, you want to go over there and you pick up the gifts and you shake them and you try to guess what every gift is. Why? Because you're anxious to be blessed. Listen to me. Christmas is about blessing. Say that with me. Christmas is about blessing. But Christmas brings God's intentions, his blessings our way. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he came with the heart and the intentions of God to bring blessing into our lives. When I was a kid, that's all I could think about. Christmas. Oh, I get gifts. I get gifts. I'm going to receive. But when the angel showed up and spoke to Mary, those two things. First of all, God's grace, his giftings are going to be upon your life. Second of all, you are going to be blessed. I don't think this teenage girl understood the weight of it at that time. I don't think for years she really understood the full weight of it. The disciples themselves didn't understand the weight of what Jesus had come to do. But she understood when the angel said, you are going to be blessed. It's like, wow, this is cool. I am going to receive. But here's something you need to understand about God's blessing. Especially in this particular setting, but I think it's true in every area of life. Blessing comes with a purpose. Because you see, if you go back and study in the Old Testament, you can go back to uh, Genesis chapter 12. We may have the verses here on the screen in a moment. But Abraham, before he was known as Abraham, when he was known as Abram, he was told by God to leave his country. And God made promises to him. In Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, away from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And in verse 2, here was God's promise to Abraham hundreds of years earlier. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. How many in this house want God's blessings? Can I just get... A couple of hands to go up somewhere, or a couple of bobbleheads. I want God's blessings. I don't want some of them. I want all of them. Everything he's got in every area of my life. I want God to pour things into my life. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to pour things into your life. You're going to become a great nation. But he goes on to say this, I will bless you and I will make your name great. Now, to be honest with you, I got all the fame I want. I don't care if anybody gives me any more fame. I like to be able to go places and not have to worry about people seeing me and wearing a disguise and all that kind of stuff. But God told Abraham, you are going to be great and your name is going to be great. But then he says this. Look at the rest of that verse. And you shall be a blessing. See, here's what I think we sometimes miss. God's blessings come for a purpose. They come to meet our needs 
and then they come in abundance so that we can become a blessing and share what God has put in our lives. Sometimes we miss this. What the angel spoke to Mary that day, God's grace will come upon you. God's going to bless your life. That's God's intentions for all of our lives. He wants to pour his grace upon us. He wants to bless our lives. But he also, after he's met our needs, wants us to learn how to become a blessing. I told you about being a kid. Man, I love Christmas. Because I was going to get gifts. I was going to receive. But now I'm at the stage in life where I get excited about Christmas because I'm going to watch my children and especially my grandchildren as their faces light up when they begin to open those gifts and they get excited because they're receiving. And now I'm on the other end. I am giving. Apostle Paul wrote and said that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. How many of you want to learn the blessing of giving? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. What we have to understand is God's blessings come in abundance, not that we can hoard them and waste them. His blessings come in abundance that we too might be a blessing. Let me say it this way. Blessings always have a purpose. Blessings are not an end in themselves. Are you hearing this? God's blessing is not an end in itself. God gives gifts that just keep on giving and keep on giving and keep on giving as we release them to others. So let me ask you a question. Or let me have you ask yourself a question. The next time you look around and say, wow, I've got this amazing blessing just poured into my life. When you receive that blessing, ask yourself one more question. After I've used what I need of this, who else needs to be blessed by this blessing? To Christmas, it's all about blessing. It wasn't just for Mary to receive for herself. It was for Mary to release to the whole world. Number two, look at verse number 29. Still in Luke, cha Luke chapter 1, look at verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And she considered what manner of greeting this was. I mean, this angel shows up and shares this stuff, and this teenage girl is like, wow, what, what is this all about? Look at the next verse, verse number 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There's that word favor. You have found grace in the eyes of God. I think... Sometimes for believers, and I'm going to speak out of my own experience, I think sometimes when God touches our lives and God says, I'm going to pour gifts and grace into your life, sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. It can. Especially when God begins to deal with our hearts about our lives and our purpose and our calling. Sometimes we look at it and we get overwhelmed. See, I can imagine a teenage girl having this angel show up. And like I said earlier, I mean, it's an intimidating thing because an angel, scripturally, an angel is not some pretty little thing, you know, flying around, you know, floating around, playing a harp or something like that. An angel usually is a great big masculine dude that shows up, you know, eight, nine, ten feet tall, and it just shows up and says, here I am, and here's what God says, and then it disappears and leaves. Mary has this kind of encounter 
And this angel says to Mary, you are chosen by God. He's going to grace your life. He's going to bless you so that you can bless all of the nations and all of the people of the earth. And then he leaves and she's like, whoa, what do I do with this? But before he left, he said this, don't be afraid. I remember when I was a kid, I was raised in church. And from the time I was a little kid, I always felt God had a calling on my life. And I had certain gifts that were just, you know, talents really. And so I used to pray as a kid and say, oh God, I'm, I, I just love you so much and I want to do what you want me to do with my life. I give my life back to you and I'll do this and this and this and this. But God, I thank you so much that you would never call me to preach the gospel. <laughs> and I lived that way until I was, well, 19 years of age. My thing was, God, I'll do anything for you, but I am not going to preach. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I will not do that. And I thank you that you wouldn't want me to do that. Because <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I was intimidated and overwhelmed with the thought of, can I be that guy? Can I be that person? And you know, when God calls us to do things, it can be overwhelming. You know why that is? It's because God never calls us to do things we can do by ourselves. He always puts us in a position where we're called to do things where we need his help and we need the support of other people. He doesn't need lone rangers. He needs people who can cooperate with him and cooperate with other believers. So God calls us to do something and the first thing we do is we get overwhelmed. I'm sure Mary thought, well, how am I going to bless the whole world? How am I going to make a difference? How can I do it? I don't understand all of this. And the angel said, do not be afraid. There are those of you in the house today, God's called you to do things and you know it. And you found a thousand reasons not to do it because the truth of the matter is there's this fear about, well, I, I just don't know that I can do this to the level of God. Are you kidding me? God is just looking for somebody who's willing. And I go back to when I was young and I thought, man, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And I look back through the years and I have people ask me sometimes, how do you get up in front of people and just speak like that? And, and I'll tell them very honestly, I don't know. I just get up and it just happens. You know why that is? There's a grace put upon my life to do this. And what we miss is God calls us to do something and then he puts a grace upon our lives to accomplish it. And as the challenge gets bigger and the job and the calling gets bigger and as it grows in our lives, Romans 5 tells us that we stand in grace by faith, that as we continue to walk with God in every situation, God has grace for that moment and grace for the next moment and grace for the next moment. But if we never step into the first moment, we cannot step into the 10th moment. And sometimes God will drop something in our heart and we think, wow, how am I going to get way down there? One grace moment at a time. Somebody in the house needs to hear this today. You need to stop being afraid of what God's called you to do. You know in your heart it's right. You know in your heart it's God's calling upon you. Yes, it's going to stretch you a little bit, but you need to step up and say, in Jesus' name, I can do this because God's grace will enable me to do this. You can do it. You can do it. And you know, once Christmas has told its real story in our lives, we have a role to play to help tell the story of Christmas for other people's lives. Jesus told the disciples one day, freely you've received, freely give. People say, well, I don't think I have a purpose. What does God want me to do? He wants you to give away what he's given to you. 
That's all. He's blessed you so you can release some of what he's done to be a blessing to others. It's that simple. It may be different in different lives, different in different settings, but it's all summed up. God wants you to be you and just use the grace he puts upon your life to share with people what he's done in your life. And the second thing that I want you to notice in this, in this story is God does not want you to fear the plans and purposes he has for you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what God's called you to do. Don't be afraid of it. Because if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Did you hear that? If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Well, I, I couldn't do that. No, but God can. He can do it through you. Moses, when God called him, Moses, I can't do that. And God said, exactly. You're the guy I want. Because you know you can't do it. That's probably why God's calling you. Because you know you can't do it. And you're going to have to depend upon him. And God has grace for that. So don't be afraid of the plans and purposes God has for your life. And then with the end of this thought, I want to ask another question. Who is it in your circle of life, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, who do you know in your world that needs to hear about Jesus? You know, we get so intimidated. Well, I can't convince people to believe it. You're not supposed to convince people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He doesn't want you to be the Holy Spirit. That's his job. He just needs somebody who can share how good God is. What am I going to share? Share your blessing. What has God done in your life? Who needs to hear it? What has God done? Who needs to hear it? See, some of you are sitting here today, in these next few days, you're going to come face to face with people, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's going to tap you and say they need to hear you don't need to win them. You just need to share what God's done. Let God's Holy Spirit work in their lives. One step at a time. And then number three, still in Luke chapter 1, look at verse 31, part of this story as we move forward. The angel continues and says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Notice this, at the end of verse 31, the whole conversation changes right here. You will conceive in your womb. You will receive the grace of God. And what you will receive, this son, his name will be called Jesus. Now watch how the conversation changes. Verse 32. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Number two, I told you, don't be afraid of God's plans and purposes for your life. Number three, because God's plans are all about Jesus. It all revolves around Jesus. See, I think what the angel was doing was saying, Mary, let me, let me take some pressure off of you. This is not about you. It's about you receiving God's gift and introducing Jesus to the world. 
It's not about your kingdom. It's not about your power. It's not about your greatness. It's not about what, what your age is, what you look like. None of that matters. What matters is you are going to release Jesus to the world. One of the reasons we get intimidated is because we get so worried about, well, how do I share this and how do I share that and how do I get this story all right? You know what? All you need to do is give them what God has given you. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Christmas is about Jesus. It's about receiving and then giving. Receiving what? Receiving Jesus and then giving Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The longer I'm in ministry, the longer I do what I do, it becomes more and more clear and more and more simple. It's about God and people. It's about you and Jesus. It's about me sharing Jesus with people who are in need. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And you see, the grace God puts on our lives should point people to Jesus and his kingdom, not me and mine. It's about Jesus. And notice these verses, the words. His name will be Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. He will sit on the throne. He will reign. The kingdom, it's his. It's not mine. I'm not talking about how great I am and how perfect I am and how wonderful I am. I'm simply talking about how Jesus has changed my life. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And you know, my heart, my heart towards God, my intentions... My attitudes, it sets me up to receive more of God's blessing to release or to repel the grace that God wants to pour into my life. You want to receive more from God? Give away what God's already given you. Let it grow. Let it grow. Let it stretch you. It's okay if Jesus puts some stretch marks on your life. That's God's grace at work. That's his grace working. Don't be afraid of what God's called you to do because, number three, it's about Jesus. I thank God that all of my life, growing up in church, in my, my home, my family, I mean, it, it was all about church life. But even though as a kid, you know, like every other kid, you, you grow into it and you got to figure it out yourself. I thank God that was clear to me from childhood on Everything in life is about Jesus. And if I can put him at the center of my life and let everything spin around him, everything works out okay. When I get him out of his rightful place, I'm going to have a lot of trouble. Life, Christmas, it's all about Jesus. So I, I've shared three simple thoughts this morning. Number one, Christmas is all about blessing. Number two, do not fear God's plans and purposes for your life. Number three, God's plans are all about Jesus. So let me share some conclusions before I finish this morning. If the gift that defines Christmas, if the blessing of Christmas ends with me, if it ends right here in my heart and my house, I have missed the point of Christmas. 
Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say you're in a tough situation and, you know, you're not making the money you need to make and it's hard getting by right now. And there, there may be some in the house that, that are in that situation today. Just, just imagine you go home today and, and let's just say there are two boxes of groceries sitting on your porch. And some of them are perishable foods that need to be eaten quickly. And you look at it and you think, well, this is awesome, but I, I can't eat all of this as quickly as it needs to be eaten. What would you do with what you didn't need? Wouldn't you give it away to someone who needed it? Then let me ask you this. If God, Emmanuel, if God has been with you in your lifetime, and you've seen his blessings everywhere you go and everywhere you turn, if you've seen God at work and God's done so much in your life, then don't you think there's somebody around you that needs to share in that blessing? That's what Christmas is about. That's what it's about. If he's been Emmanuel in your life, wouldn't you want to help put him in somebody else's life? You know, when I think about Christmas... And I read the Christmas story. And every year, I read through the whole Christmas story. All the facets and aspects of it. As Every year as I look through it, I'm always amazed at how God sent signs. I mean, angels. You know, there was Zacharias and Elizabeth, the much older uh, cousin of Mary. An angel visited them. As a matter of fact, you know, when the angel visited Zacharias... He, he wasn't even in faith, and he's like arguing with the angel. And the angel says, you know what? Just shut up. And he actually made him deaf until the baby was born because he said, I need you to shut up and quit questioning this. This is God. Well, this angel came to point them to Jesus. You look at Mary. I mean, not just the old couple who's been serving God. Yeah, they needed to hear about Jesus. But here's Mary and Joseph, the, this young couple about to start their life together. And angels appeared to them separately to point them to Jesus. Think about the shepherds. The shepherds had a whole choir of angels show up. Well, first it's the old and then it's the young. And now it's the common everyday person. All of these angels were signs to people pointing them to Jesus. And then there's the wise men. They, they didn't get the visit of the angels, but there was a star in the sky that was unusual. And they begin to read the charts and read the prophecies and look at history to figure out what it was. And that star pointed them on a long journey to come and find Jesus. God put all these signs around, angels, stars. As a matter of fact, if you want to take it one step further, these wise men wound up in the palace of Herod and they told him about Jesus. This Christmas, there are people in your world who need to know about Jesus. And you and I could very well become stars and angels that show up in their life to point them to the meaning of life, to Jesus. And today, on this first Sunday of December, I mean this whole month, it's about Christmas it's about Jesus. Everything we do up until the very end of the month, when the last Sunday of the month is New Year's Eve, but up to the time of Christmas Day itself, everything we do, it's about Jesus. It's about being a blessing after we've received his blessing. As a matter of fact, let me take a moment and just show you. We've got these promotional cards 
out of the Connection Center. And I want to encourage everybody, take some of these cards. It kind of tells you what's going on this month out of the ordinary here. Next Sunday, we're going to have a great, great, great Christmas production called The Promised Son. If you've never been to a Christmas production at the bridge, you're going to love it. I mean, there's music, there's drama and acting, there's dancing. I mean, it will be awesome. You'll be amazed at what the people of this church put together. It's just awesome. I'm excited about it. But here's the thing. In the month of December every year, we will have hundreds of people come through this church through invitation who don't know Jesus. And their hearts and lives will be touched. Many of them, they'll be changed forever. And somebody needs to be the star or the angel that points them to Jesus. Next Sunday evening, uh, we're th- have a third service. We have a normal Sunday morning services. Then Sunday evening, we'll be doing the production again at 6 o'clock. And afterwards, we'll have a party outside, for, especially for the kids. It'll be a fun time. We want you to come hang out. Bring your family. Bring your friends. But most of all, get these cards and pass them out in the community. We've got posters out there. If you've got your own business or you can put a poster up at your business, take a poster and put it in the windows. And people ask about it. Just tell them it's a great Christmas production. It's a great celebration. They will enjoy it. I'm going to tell you something. You get people in the door and the Holy Spirit will get a hold of their hearts. So tell people what's going on. And, And then two weeks from today, I'll be sharing a regular Christmas message, be much more focused on the meaning of Christmas and so forth. But... After that Sunday, the following Sunday is Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Eve, we're having two services, one at 10 in the morning, one at 4 in the afternoon. Because it's Christmas Eve, people are making plans. So we got one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And our Christmas Eve services here at the bridge are always amazing. It'll, it'll be so heartwarming and so wonderful. We want you to bring your families and friends to that. But here's the point. We're blessed to be a blessing. Where would we be without Jesus? Well, if we've been blessed, we need to share him. And then one last little thing that I want to do today. I have a friend who's a great soul winner. And I've heard him say on different occasions, you don't really have a right to talk to people about God until you've talked to God about those people. In other words, we need to be praying for people around us. Some of you have got family members who desperately need Jesus. Some of you have got neighbors, co-workers that you know their lives are in a mess and they need Jesus. Some of you are going to run into people this week unexpectedly and God's going to orchestrate circumstances for you to just point them to Jesus. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take the last part of this service to do two things. Number one, we're going to pray for people that we're going to be inviting to church throughout this month. We'll see a lot of people come to Jesus this month. And it starts with us. It starts with us. We're blessed to be a blessing. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Pastor Aaron's going to come out to the keyboard. The the team's going to get in place. We're going to worship God one more time in a few minutes. But first of all, we're going to pray this morning. I'm going to ask my wife to come join me. And bring a mic if you would. I'm going to have her lead us in prayer. My voice is just a little bit tired this morning. I'm going to ask that everybody would just hold tight and stay with us. If you have to move for some reason, I understand. But unless you absolutely have to, I'm going to ask you to stay here. We have an opportunity to change people's lives forever with the message of Jesus. 
So right now, just before Ann leads us in prayer, I want you to start thinking about family, friends, neighbors, people you know, and people you're going to encounter this week who need Jesus. And I want us to pray for those people right now. I want to ask you to lift your voice. Ann's going to lead us in prayer. Let's just pray for those people and inviting them this month to God's house. Thank you, Father. Father, first of all, we just stop to say thank you. Thank you for the blessing of Christmas. God, thank you that you sent Christ for us. God, thank you for the blessing of Jesus. God, our lives are so rich because of Jesus. And God, I pray that as we enter into this Christmas season, God, that none of us would get caught up with the busyness or the commercialism around us. God, that we would lose that focus. God, help us to keep such an awareness of the meaning of Christmas and the blessing that we have because of Jesus. And then, Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness to share Jesus with others, to give that blessing away to others. Father, I pray that you would just speak to each and every one of us. God, show us people that we can reach out to, people you want us to talk to, people you want us to share with, people you want us to invite in to the services here the remainder of this month, God, and give us the boldness to open our mouths. Give us the boldness to extend those invitations to share with them. And God, I pray for every person that we share with, every person who receives an invitation, God, I pray that your spirit would just stir their hearts. They'd be so compelled to respond to you. They'd be so compelled to follow up with those invitations and come in and come to the production next week and come to the Christmas services. And God, I pray for every person who comes through these doors, God, that they would encounter you. Father, I pray regardless of what their past experiences have been, God, they would enter this place and they would know that you are here and that you are real and that you love them and that you long to have relationship with them. Father, I pray for every person coming through these doors who has never had relationship with you. God, I pray that they would experience Jesus and they would surrender their lives in relationship with you, God. Father, I pray for those who coming in who've maybe just gotten cold and complacent in their hearts and off track with you. God, I pray that they would be drawn home, that they would come back to you. God, I pray for every believer that everyone would be strengthened and encouraged in their walk with you, God. Father, I pray that you would do all that you desire to do in each of our lives and through each of our lives, God. And we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Let's give God praise this morning.